Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yeah, we think it's, you know, it's got to be a point for him. Um, you know, thought he was some tough, tough calls out there and just got to play through him. You know, he's got to just trust that it'll come back around to him at some point in time and, you know, tried, tried to stick up for him. I thought, you know, I thought that, um, you know, you know, over the last two days, that uh, got pushed around a lot, unnecessarily so. And um, you know, he tried to fight back, but yeah, he's got to try to control control it a little bit better. Mm. I told you guys just to pump your pump your brakes on this Wolves you team did. a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been telling you guys, you guys have been too high yep. on the Timberwolves. Well, yep. Listen, got to give it more than two games, and you guys just blew through the stop sign. I remember what you mm-hmm. said, mm-hmm. yeah, because you're like, just calm down. Just yeah, calm down. It's the Wolves. And Don't drink the Kool Aid. And I are like, yep. oh yeah. my god, no! Yep. Jaden McDaniels, understand. all defensive team, first team, yep, yeah, all in. Yeah, lob. Yep. I brought it up L-O-B. yesterday. Lob, lob, parade yeah. route. Thirty-five wins over under, and you guys are like, oh, it's got to be way higher than that. And I'm oh, like, yeah. I don't know. And you, then I started I don't know. T- talking about the Jordan Bulls and records. You <laughs> blow through that yield sign. There's no yield sign right now. It's it's right into the no. oncoming traffic. It yield feels like you no, guys. It's the Autobahn. It's yeah. the Autobahn. It feels like I've seen it yeah. all before. Calm down, you guys. And we're like, no, yeah. we won't calm down. It's funny thing, it, the funny thing is I have seen it all before, and I still ignore all of the traffic signs. I yes, just, you do. Four-way stop sign. Who's that guy going 55 miles an hour through? Oh, my God. You are a hopeless Wolves romantic is what you are. Yeah. So, uh, well, this is Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment. And uh, the Timberwolves are above 500 after the first three games. So there's, there's that to celebrate. Uh, but last night was kind of a disaster. We'll get to who gets it, who doesn't, and random season recall on the show. But what I'd like, I'd, I'd like this to be a little bit of a, maybe a therapy session, if you guys would indulge me. Because Judd was at the game last night. And um, I'm curious to get your firsthand thoughts. The media row is it is it is it still like right next to the Wolves bench? Yes, in fact, so I you was can, right you by can... the bench. I could hear stuff last night. It was great. So we'll get some Judd insights here. But if you were to have asked me before the season, we didn't spend a ton of time on the yield and stop signs with the Wolves because everything was great. Like, look at how they're playing joyful basketball and. Everyone loves each other, and they're playing defense, and then those things were apparent in the first two games. But if you would have asked me before the season, all right, what are some of your biggest Wolves' fears, things that could derail games or the season? The two biggest ones popped up last night. Number one fear, I'm always a little nervous that D'Angelo Russell is a fake Max player. 
You know, I'm always I'm always sitting there. Even back to last year, it's like, ah, oh, man, mm-hmm. guy makes a lot of money relative to the cap, but then he just kind of disappears and he doesn't play much defense. And uh, last night, Pelicans at home, he starts one for ten. I, I don't think he made a shot in the first half, and almost all of his shots are taken out of the flow of the offense on nights like that, where it's like, all right, I'm just gonna jack a three here with. 17 seconds on the shot clock, hand in my face for no reason, right? Yeah. Um, so so fear number one, being nervous about D'Lo being a fake max player. And, like, last night he was a fake max player. And fear number two is that Carl Anthony Towns is oftentimes really easy to knock off his game if you get really physical with him or if calls start going against him, which, by the way, that happens. He got screwed on some calls last night. It happens. You got, like Chris Finch said, you got to just, you know, he literally threw a temper tantrum at one point, stomping up and down and like clapping his hands while the ball was going back the other way in transition. Ed Malloy, as any Timberwolves fan that goes back 10 or 15 years, uh, thanks to Alan Horton knows, is a terrible referee. Oh, Ed Malloy! Oh, Ed Malloy! Um, but like, dude, teams are going to get physical with you. You think Kobe sat there and just... Huh. Through tantrums on the court, like no, those guys, you know, he'd get mad. Tim Duncan complained about calls, but you can't let it consume you the way that it did for him. And then, then you watch him, and he's like rifling passes harder to his teammates, and he's he's testing the waters with hard screens because he's just defiantly he's mad. So D'Lo and Cat sort of at their worst, and Cat still found a way to put up a bunch of points, rebounds, and uh, and assists, and he put up a good box score, but. Those were. I'm not saying those two things are going to happen on a nightly basis, but like those two things are things to be fearful about if you're a Wolves fan, and they both happened last night, and that's a big part of the reason why they lost. So. Yeah, uh, let's explore the cat thing first because I, I think to me that that's probably the headline of the game because I think that the the Pelicans aren't good, like they're just not, and and the Wolves are an improving team, but. To what you're saying, Phil, if the Wolves don't take steps in certain areas where they obviously can, like the cat thing, they he he can mature. Like I know he's and it's incredible because I think he's in year seven now and we're still going through the same thing. And every every year he says, you know, that was the old cat. I'm the new cat. But first of all. Now, I don't think that this is his team. I I think it's Ant's team. I think Pat Bev, who I like to talk about, plays a huge role. Right now, but you know, in Cat's mind, after opening night, he talked about this is my team. I I lead this team. Well, if you're going to lead this team, you can't get upset every time the officiating is bad. And the other thing is, this has happened two consecutive nights. Um, and in my old age, this drives me crazy. Now, it drives me crazy when the home team gets impacted by the officiating because the crowd is. On Sunday night, the Wild got job two a, a few times. Number one, it evens out. Like, the fans don't cheer the refs when they give you a good call. They boo the refs when they don't. So, in the big picture, throughout the course of an 82-game season in both hockey and basketball, it evens out. So, like, you're going to get bad calls. You're going to get good calls. And Cat doesn't run up to the officials and say, thanks for that call. So. If the fans get mad and 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 chant "ref you suck," which they like to now, um, that's great. They buy tickets. They should do what you want. 
The players on the home team cannot be impacted by that. That's not their job. They play too many games to allow that to alter what they're trying to do. And the thing with Cat is, and this is where what you said, Phil, I think is spot on. Last night, Cat got uh, two fouls against him. He didn't get about two or three calls. He got a T. He got lifted because of the two fouls. And then he pouted. And I'm not talking about for a brief period. I'm talking about he went to the bench and pouted. And on press row, at one point, there was a call that went against the Wolves with Cat off the floor. And I swear to God, he looked like some of the dudes in grade school I played basketball with, throwing his head back like, I can't believe we didn't get that call either. Um, It's 82 games. It doesn't matter. Like, you didn't get the call. Okay. But if you're going to lead, at one point, yeah. And our friend Dane Moore tweeted this. At one point, we all saw during a timeout, Patrick Beverly got up from the bench and mm-hmm. said, quit effing talking to them. Mm-hmm. That's Patrick Beverly, one of the most notorious agitators, I believe, the last time I checked, who, by the way, I love. I absolutely love. He is one of my favorite players now. But Patrick Beverly told, and it was mainly directed at Cat, quit talking to them. The officials, yeah. it's doing you no good. And so if Carl, if Carl in his mind wants to lead, this has to stop. It's not possible. He is costing it. It throws everybody's flow off when, except for like Ant and Pat Pev, it throws everybody else off when Carl Anthony Towns is melting down like he's my teammate at St. Therese on a Sunday and we're in eighth grade. I remember, so you guys know, I used, I used to be in the poker industry, like back in the, in the boom era, like 2007 through like 2010. And, um, I used, so I I used to run a company and then I also used to play poker for rent money. Like I never made millions of dollars or anything, but like played a lot of poker, but I had some friends who were like higher level players. One of them was super emotional, like played poker for a living in which, by the way, if you enter into playing poker for a living, you're going to take what's called bad beats sometimes, where you get your money in with aces, they get their money in with tens, and you know you got an eighty percent chance to win the hand, but there's always the twenty percent chance that some you know a ten could hit and you lose the pot. Like when you enter into a life of playing poker, you you are entering a life of even if I'm doing all the things that I should be doing, I'm going to get like chunks of money taken away from me, and hopefully over the course of time. I'm making a lot more money than I'm taking. I remember one time uh, one of my emotionless robot poker friends went up to my emotional friend after he like lost a hand online and threw his mouse off the wall and whipped his keyboard, like broke his keyboard and was like F bomb. It was like a big pot, like, you know, a couple thousand dollars or something. And it was sure. like F bombs and and uh, emotionless robot friend walked in the room and said, are you going to do that after every like, is it, are you going to do this all the time? Cause I'm, we can't be friends. Like we can't roll in the same circle. You're going to lose hands, dude. Like you signed up for a life where you're going to lose hands. You need to be an emotionless robot and just deal with it. Just build it into your subconscious that like, I'm going to lose hands. I need to deal with it without freaking out. And that's, I want, and maybe Pat Beverly can be that for Carl Anthony Towns. My man, you've chosen the life of professional basketball. You're going to get the ball more than almost anyone on the team. Therefore, you're going to have more opportunities to be fouled than almost anyone on the team because you're playing from inside, outside, like you're grabbing rebounds. 
guys are going to be hanging off your arms and stuff. Every single night, the officials are going to miss probably five calls on you. Every night, are you going to do this? Literally every night? Every single time. Like, these officials are going to miss calls. Nothing you do, no amount of complaining, is going to change the fact that Ed Malloy is an idiot. (laughs) And his staff oftentimes gravitates toward being bad as well. So be an emotionless robot and just go about your business. Get it back on the next one. And I'm just trying to envision, like, if the Wolves are going to get to the playoffs, which we hope that they will, and you're in a rough-and-tumble series with the Dallas Mavericks or something in the Western Conference playoffs, and officials are letting stuff go because it's playoff time, baby. They're, they're going to swallow the whistles. Right. What are you going to do? Are you going to bitch for two and a half hours? Or are you going to rise above it and, and handle it with some sort of poise, right? Like, that's what we need to see from Carl Anthony Towns. And it's not even the getting mad part that bugs me. If you're going to get mad, get mad. Get teed up. What bugs me is the pouting. What bugs me is the whining. He whines like a grade school kid. That's what has to end. So, so like, I'm, I mean, if you want to get mad, like, if you get screwed and you want to get mad, go ahead and get mad. But two things. One, get mad. Don't pout and don't whine. He's incessantly whining and complaining, which yeah. to me, which to me is far worse than being mad. The other thing is get mad and then it's done. So what I didn't like last night is I really thought the first two quarters for Cat were ruined because he went and pouted. And then so they're it, down by 13. Yeah. But I yeah. mean, if you, if, if you want to be pissed off and, and then, and then Chris Finch did exactly what a coach is supposed to, to do when there was a really bad call against Cat, he got teed up. And if I was Finch, that's what I would say. It's yeah. my job to get mad. It's my job to get teed up. But what? But if you are going to go from being mad to a pout, I don't even want to see you get mad then because now it's counterproductive. He literally was on the bench with his head hung, quit watching the game basically, and was pouting. Yeah. I How love that, that productive fin- for a grown man. I love that Finch took the technical because there yes. were there were a couple, admittedly, like, I don't like the refs were bad last night. Edmund Lewis not good. Yep. But there's a lot of bad officials. There's a lot yep. of bad umpires. And at one point, Chris Finch got the technical. At, at another point, I think it might have been second half at some point, like he he pulls Ant and Carl aside coming out of a timeout, puts his arms around them, and, and he's like telling them, I couldn't read all of his lips, but he's like, hey, focus, quit doing this. What was, you were sitting right there, what was Patrick Beverly's influence throughout the night with someone? Because I got to think that, like, he'll complain to officials too. Oh, and he but did. I, but I don't. I don't think I almost feel like it's in a different way. Like he's he remains channeled and cat sometimes like starts to disengage a little bit or get sucked into things. I mean, Beverly shoved Chris Paul in the back, so he gets sucked into things, too. (laughs) But but there's a little bit of a difference. I feel like how how was he handling it last night? So so he handles it like a captain would. and, And especially in my sport, hockey, which is you go, you address the ref. You might drop an F-bomb. I don't know. I don't care. But then it's done. So, like, he gets mad. Pat Bev, uh, I, I think it's pretty smart in the sense that I think he's got a temper that is very quick, and then it's done, though. Yeah, he kind of like flushes that, it. He kind of flushes it. That's and, what Cat yeah. needs to do. That's my biggest point with Cat. It's not the immediate being pissed off. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that it alters his game after that for minutes, for, for halves. That's what's inexcusable. Um if you got screwed and you want to say, I got, you know, but the problem with Cat, too, is it's every call he doesn't get. A, a guy who had this exact same problem 
for a briefer period than Cat, when Wayne Gretzky started, he did this all the time. Every And I mean, he was the world's best player. So he would get, again, if you're good, you're going to get fouled or hooked or, mm-hmm. or leaned on because guys don't know how to stop you. So Gretzky, for like the first two or three years, every time he got hooked, every time he got a check he didn't like, he would complain. And he finally said, I, I have to stop. Like, the, because, because the officials quit listening. Yeah. Now, in Gretzky's case, he did. But what Cat has to know, he is he does not deserve, in some ways, any calls because every call's foul to him. And he hasn't done anything meaningful in the postseason or anything. And you could argue, well, that's not an excuse for Ed Malloy to be an idiot referee. Well, no, but but it's the human nature. Like, they don't view Carl Anthony Towns like they view LeBron James. Correct. Absolutely. So it, you got to deal with it. And the thing, too, is, Phil, and th- this is true of, of every single sport, if you become known as a whiner and constant complainer, the good officials are going to tune you out. So, so like, so for, forget Ed. Ed does stick. But, like, across the board, if you become the guy who is always, and Cat is this, flailing your arms and getting up with that, what, you're not calling that look? Good officials are going yeah. to say, Benefit of the doubt, I don't think so. What about the D'Lo part of this? Because that's my other fear is, man, like everything is kumbaya. Those guys are all spreading the ball around, you know, preseason. Yeah. And, okay, uh, re- regular season, D'Lo hasn't looked quite as good as the other two in the in the big three, quote-unquote, that they have. And last night, he was a primary reason why they were down by double digits early. He's just not engaged offensively. Um, at some point, do we have uh, – yeah. yeah. Ant Edwards clip. We'll get to that at some point. Or we have a Finch clip. We have a Finch clip talking about uh, D'Lo. Because Ant dropped a couple words that we can't say here on our show that gets uh, also repurposed to the radio. But Ant basically said, we need to effing, we're not the only effing three players on this team. Like, we need to, uh, what Ant said after the game last night was great leadership. Let's play this Finch clip. This is Finch on D'Lo's cold start. Listen, every every player goes through a slump at some point in the season. You know, his just happens to be right now, and we're starting. He's got to, you know, he's not the only one that's not particularly shooting the ball well, but yeah, he's just yeah, he'll be fine. Um, you know, we try and get him going early in the game today, um, but he, he's he, he'll be fine. I'm not worried too much. So. The problem is, you know, a lot of guys are going to have bad shooting nights, but when you have a bad shooting night. Can you find a way to get to the line ten times? Can yeah. you find a can you find a way to get eleven assists, right? Yeah. And he's not oftentimes that player. Like if he goes three for fourteen, which is gonna happen, he doesn't also find a way to get to the line. He doesn't also find a way to impact the game in a big way defensively. If he goes three for fourteen, he's kind of worthless. Right. And that's that's a problem. Now I, I didn't see the game on Saturday, but if I'm not mistaken, on Saturday, Jordan McLaughlin didn't get into that game until the final quarter. Last night Jordan played, let's see here. How, how well, yeah, played 11 minutes. Yes. And, it and was a so, disaster, by the way. Right. But, 11 minutes were a disaster. Right. But D'Lo, D'Lo um, who en- ended up playing about 29, um, D'Lo basically for a, par- a portion of the third quarter, at least, was benched. And I think there's a conversation here to be had about um, two guys in particular who clearly need to find their role and their way with this team if it's going to work d'angelo russell is number one he needs to because phil i think what you're talking about is this 
This is this is Ant and Cat's team. And D'Lo can play an incredibly important role here. But make no mistake, it's a role. It's not. He is. If there's a big three, it's, in my opinion, 1A is Ant, 1B is Cat, and D'Lo's three. So, like, there's no two then. There, there's no three musketeers. And I think D'Angelo is struggling a little bit to find, or I don't think, what I can see is he's struggling a little bit to find that role because I think his perception is, hey, you know, it's me and it's Cat and it's young Ant and we're all going to be great together. And it's like, well, really, D'Lo, you need to facilitate for the, those two. And D'Lo came down, so they, they put him back in, I think it was in the fourth quarter last night, and he did exactly what you were talking about earlier. He came down the floor and jacked up a shot. And yeah. it's like, uh, dude, that's not – and I think that I really was, was short last night too. And Ant, but, too. I mean, Ant in, Ant in the third quarter – should have been and was to a certain point ridden for how good he was like ride him just go with him and the second guy and it's not as big of a deal but he was um he was one of eight from the field last night and one for seven from three-point range Malik Beasley these two need to identify their roles and probably most importantly if they're going to be part of this team and be productive understand their roles and I think that they are still both think of them, themselves as I'm D'Angelo Russell I'm really good and you are but you've got a role I'm Malik Beasley I'm really good I gotta get mine um that's not gonna work here so so those two but yes starting with Russell those two definitely have to figure out how to fit in but make no mistake it's fitting in it's not i'm going to be a main solution here you're going to be part of the solution but yeah this team starts with two guys this team and, flat out starts with cat and ant yep and i and i will say like this is this was always going to be a process like it was great the first Absolutely. game and you're like oh my god hold the maybe maybe this is all yes. just gelling like this is going to take remember when the uh, 2003-04 like the last really good timberwolves team when they went to the western conference finals and and so they brought Cassell and Sprewell in, and they kind of overhauled. They overhauled the roster for KG, right? They brought in two more, two new sidekicks. It took that team like twenty games before they really figured out what everyone's role was, mm-hmm. and that's veterans. And I get that those guys had never played together before, and a lot of these guys actually have last year, but not really. Like Towns, Edwards, and Russell have not played. What have they played together? Like maybe. 10 15 games all healthy at the same time. Yeah, like I don't know, it's, it's but not, yeah, it's not a lot. No. Maybe nope. 20, I'd have to see. So, you're right. you know, you're and you got a new coach, so you're kind of starting over this year and as and as fun as that first game was, mm-hmm. it's probably going to take like 20 games before everyone kind of figures out what their role is. On um, Beasley, a lot of it's just shot making. I mean, he's going to he's going to jack seven threes. Last night he hit one of them. You know, he's had some trouble finding his shot. If he drains four threes last night, we're sitting here saying, all right, Beasley off the bench, baby. Light it up from three. I want D'Lo. I want his main focus. And and he has done this at times. His main focus needs to be ego-free ball movement and facilitating for Towns Edwards first. And when you do that, the ball will eventually come back around to you. You'll get yours. But, like, if he goes into every game and thinks to himself, how can I facilitate for Towns Edwards and the role players they can shoot threes and slash. Right. Basically, how can I get like 12 assists tonight? And through that process, 
it'll come back around and you'll also probably get 18 to 20 points. It might not be that you're, you know, the main focus offensively on every possession, but that's what I'd really love to see from, from D low long-term this year. I think there's two things there though. So what, one is yes, it might take 20 games, 25 games for them to mesh. Okay. That is a doable thing. But what's most important to me is the egos and the acceptance. So, so like if it's 20 games in and it's like, well, we can click, but still got to get mine, right? Still got to get mine. Then it's a problem. So I'm, I'm actually more curious with question two, which is, uh, can D'Lo understand and accept that role? Because, because it's one thing to, to say, hey, D'Angelo, the ball's going to come back around. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. But, you know, he's a basketball player now, not 20 years ago. And there, and he's a thought process of his, well, I'm a max type of player. I need mine, right? And so I think the real question is, can he accept that? Be, because the way that Ant is wired is so damn good. But the majority of guys in, in today's league, I don't think are like that. So can D'Angelo Russell accept what you just said? Because what you just said, if he does accept it, could be outstanding. Mm-hmm. But if he's like, and it was weird last night. So it, it was at the opposite end of the court, excuse me, near the free throw line, near the end of the first half. And I don't know which person was upset or what. But D'Lo and Ant had a really weird exchange, like sniping back and forth. And I didn't, but and it might have been Ant. So I'm not sure. D'Lo is, during games, super chill. So I don't think he would have been sniping. But it was just sort of an odd, an odd exchange. And it's like the type of thing where there does, from those two especially probably, need to be a maturity. Like Ant's maturing, but he's already mature in some ways i feel like with cat and delo that process is still unfolding and it's like okay it's go time now well cat is cat is kind of who he is like cat is a wonderfully talented player who i i think has shown some improvement in the maturity department but he's not he's had enough time to set a culture for this franchise and he hasn't and that's honestly like whatever that's if he's sort of the B and Aunt, the quicker Ant Edwards can just be the A, which I think he's, I think it, the, it's the better for this franchise, it's which happening. I think is a good segue here because every Tuesday we do who gets it, who doesn't on Mackie and Judd daily Minnesota sports entertainment. And uh, I'd, I'd love to start you guys off with a man who, after reading his quotes and seeing his press conference last night, I think really gets it. Anthony, Edwards, all right? He said two things that stood out to me. Number one, I don't have the first quote in front of you, but it was something along the lines of, you know, we're, we need to stop pretending like we're the only three players on this team, referring to him, Kat, and D'Lo. Let's get, let's get our teammates involved. Let's, it was great. It was a very wise old sage thing to say. Mm-hmm. And then he followed up and said, this was a wake-up call for sure. Lock in. Lock the bleep in. Everybody coming in here thinking it's sweet. We're playing the Pelicans. They whooped our ass. Now, backs on the wall again. We got to wake up. I love it. And it kind of, like, sometimes Towns will say things like that, but I don't know. It, it, it always feels a little bit out of his personality or control. You know, especially when, like, 
if if you were to take this quote and translate it to Towns, the problem is, dude, you were one of the guys that didn't wake up in the first half. You were too busy throwing temper tantrums, right, to to be locked in and and beat a team that's coming back to to get one on you from losing the other night. The other thing with Anthony Edwards, so it was kind of an off night for him. Like he had an amazing third quarter, but the other three quarters were very pedestrian, and he. Didn't get the ball as often. Two points at the half. No field goals at the half, though. Yep. So he had kind of a kind of a weird night and still winds up with 28 points, nine rebounds, three assists, a steal, and he shoots like 45% from field goal, uh, 36% from three. He went four of 11, which, you know, it's about league average, and he, and he made all four of his free throws. And, uh, and he was pretty active defensively and, and off the ball as well, like, when you can have kind of a, a night where you basically are non-existent for three quarters and still get your 28-9-3, like, this dude is still scratching the surface as a leader and as a player. And even in a loss last night, everything about it, like his his post-game comments, everything, just like this, this dude seems to get it. If you're Chris Finch this morning, despite the loss, you are thrilled, right? Like, you are absolutely thrilled. Um, this is, and, and just to be clear, I am not comparing them as, players okay but this is like young kobe stuff too because ants not bleeping around here you know cat's thing is when cat goes to a mic and a podium it's a stream of conscious so cat's going to say what he's thinking and he's often going to say what he thinks he should say which is totally different than than a guy who has the look ant has a look that you like say okay i get it it feels ultra, con- it feels congruent. Like what he's ultra, saying is who he is. Ultra competitive. Um, he just gets it. Like I, I would often say. In, in fact, to this entire segment that we're doing right now, I, I would often say that when Cat talks, he doesn't necessarily get it. He's just saying things to say things. Um, yeah, it feels congruent, and it feels like a young Kobe. It feels like a guy who is like, all right, I watched a year of this crap. And by the way, I love this. I watched a year of this bleep. I'm not going to watch this again. And I love the fact that after like a Pelicans loss and you're two and one, that it didn't take a 10 game losing streak for Ant to, to say, well, this has to stop. Yeah. It took one not good performance by the entire team. I'm with you. I think he gets it. And I love how this kid is wired. Love it. And they're going to have like, I just like, they're going to, I want to set the expectation. Last night is going to happen like 10 or 15 more times. Like, they're not just all of a sudden a 50 win team that's figured everything out and you know they're like they're going to have games like that and um you know I I do think back to and this is not an apples to apples comparison yet but it's a Timberwolves comparison when Kevin Garnett was young he came in when he was 18 and came in when he was a young 19 right and uh KG showed some fire and some passion in a limited role in his rookie year but when you're that young and every all of your coworkers are like 25 or 30 years old, they're older than you are, and you're a freaking teenager still, yep. it's hard to come in right away and be like, "I'm the leader," right? Mm-hmm. You're kind of you're gonna you're gonna observe, you're gonna spoke when spoken to, you're gonna sort of fall in line, and then by like year two, year three, once you start to figure out, oh yeah, that guy that I was deferring to as a rookie, oh he's just a role player or he's kind of a stooge, and so. This is my team now. I don't care if I'm 10 years happen, younger, right? Well, work environment. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and so I think Anthony Edwards probably spent some time 
last year, thinking, oh, I mean, I'm not going to overstep my bounds. I'm a 19-year-old rookie here. I'm going to show a little personality. I'm going to speak my mind a little bit, but now it's year two. Now he kind of knows that, oh, I love Cat, but Cat's not like the driving force leader here. I love me some Malik Beasley, but I mean, he did pull a shotgun on a family at a parade of homes. I don't think it was a shotgun. I think it was just a. a okay. Oh, uh, okay. Got it. I think it was just <laughs> it was a handgun. Okay, let's. I, I right. think I'm going to yeah. lead the team now. All right. So, all right. So, Anthony Edwards right. seems to get it. I'll Dex, keep the. Yeah. I defer to you. I'll keep the Wolves train going. I'll say who gets it, and it's Patrick Beverly. So, we briefly touched on him at the beginning of the show about what he means. I think the Wolves have lacked this guy for basically, yeah, since KG left. Because I don't want to say their entire franchise because KG was a hard ass just like he was. And KG was more of a prominent player. But Pat Bev is this role player that the Wolves have lacked. After the game last night, Patrick Beverly told reporters, he says the Wolves disrespected the game tonight. And when you disrespect the game, (laughs) this is what you get. End quote. Pat Bev, inject that quote into my veins. I mean... When you look at, like, other sports, A.J. Pierzynski, right? Even, like, Nick Swisher, guys who are just buttholes to play against, but at the same time are really, really good players for their own team. Wild fans can't stand, can't stand Gabriel Landeskog, the captain of the Colorado Avalanche. You put Gabriel Landeskog on the Minnesota Wild, and all of a sudden he's going to be your best friend, and you're going to be rooting for him. You need guys like this. And Pat Bev, too, he's not just a, not just a guy either. Like, the last two years with the Clippers— when he was on the court, he was a plus 10.5 in 2019-20, plus 9-1 when on the court last season. So he's a positive player as well. It's not just, oh, he's a, he's a Ryan Reeves, Judd, like from, from in hockey, where he's just a goon and he's going to make no. a mistake every once in a while. Like, no, this is a good player on the court, and what he means off the court to the Wolves' mindset, this franchise is needed forever. So Pat Beverly absolutely gets it. So when, when Pat Beverly says, we disrespected the game, and this is what you get, I think he's referring mostly to Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Easily. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, think, I think he's referring to just the way, like, Russell's inefficient night and just jacking up shots out of context of the offense. Mm-hmm. And I think he's referring to Carl Anthony Towns just losing his mind in the first half and helping contribute to, you know, such a deficit. And the question now becomes okay, can those guys learn and bounce back? Or will there be some friction? Remains to be seen. The best part about Pat Bev, though, is that I guarantee you that he was not sending a message. He will tell them personally, too. Oh, that's the best part. He was so, telling them. I mean, you you, you heard him right. say something to Cat in saying, the moment last night. He's not, like, mad and telling the press so, so that the quote gets out. And then Cat says, is that talking about me? I guarantee you he went to both of those guys after the game, too, and said, this is BS. Yeah. This well, stops. And and he's also fun to watch. He goes around bumping guys on purpose, mm-hmm. like Dude. stirring stuff up. It he is did fun. with Va- so, yeah, that moment line. where Va- Valanchunas is at the yes. free throw line. And Beverly Beverly just goes white. He like he like walks up to the middle of the line and crowds Valanchunas' space and just puts his hand on his knees and starts <laughs> chirping him. And then they get into a little little yes. shovey match or whatever. It's like when when if I'm watching, you know, NBA on TNT two years ago, and I see Pat Bev do something like that on the Clippers, I'm like, who's this clown? Like, yep. in, but now these on the Timberwolves, I'm like, yes, this is amazing. Get under his skin. And and even there was a moment. <laughs> I know the exact call where where Cat was, and equally so, he was. He had every right to be pissed. He set a screen, 
And it was like, even yeah. even me being, you know, well, I'm the basketball whisperer. I call Jada McDaniels. It, it, even if you, if you see that screen, you're like, what what more? What? How the, in the hell is that a foul? And I believe immediately as Cat starts pouting, Pat Bev comes over and basically probably tells him, just move on. I know it's a bad call, but move. Like you can tell he's trying to no, he tell him, move it, move it on, dude. I know that sucked. That's a bad call. You can't just keep whining about it. Yeah. That call, I'm pretty sure, like Cat's antics, you know, four or five times leading up to that. That's where the human element comes in, especially with an idiot like Ed Malloy. Like, and I can't remember if Ed Malloy made that call on that screen or if it was someone else on the crew. But like, they were looking to slap Carl Anthony Towns on the back of the hand because they were sick of his antics. That call doesn't get like that was such a weird out of oh. context call. Yeah, completely unnecessary, and it was a terrible call. And during the commercial break, Cat went up to Jim Peterson on the yeah. Wolves broadcast and was complaining about the call. And uh, I don't know if Jim Pete said this to Cat, but Jim Pete told the audience when they got back from commercial break, yeah, Cat came over and, you know, had some things to say about that call to to me. And I would just say that you can't complain about every call. Correct. You can't complain right. about every call. So Jim the Pete second part of that it. quickly as well, though, is Cat. So the team, opposing teams, seven years in, opposing teams know that they can get to Cat. By bumping him, fouling him, um, not with huge hits, but Leaning they can throw him, him yeah. off his game. If I'm Pat Bev, here's what I tell Cat. Take a foul at the start of every game and make it count. If, if Valanciunas is going to, and he's a big dude, I get it. But if he's going, because he is going to test you until you push back. Mm-hmm. So drop him. And I don't mean with a punch. I mean with a hard foul. Just like, like I'm, I mean with a knife, yeah, yeah. A shiv. Yeah, if you go out there with your basketball shiv. No, but if you, but if you're cat and they're going to do that, and you are going to probably get called for a, a uh, foul pretty quickly at some point, make the foul count. Send a little message. Send them. Well, I mean, that's the only way that you're going to get guys to back off you because cat's cat is. I guarantee you this one. Cat is perceived as being soft. Well, and, the, and he'll start. He'll get start complaining, and then his game is all out of whack. Yeah. Well, mentally he can be soft because he gets thrown out of his game, right? And like, but he, it's funny because last night, Cat disappeared, foul trouble, thrown off his game mentally, and because he's such a ridiculous talent, he goes for thirty-two, fourteen, yeah. and seven, like, and he makes all eight free throws. It's like yeah. that's amazing, and he blocked a couple shots, couple steals. Like he was incredible when he was finally re-engaged in that game last night. What I would tell him, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of like your idea. Listen, you need to physically fight back a little bit to uh, even the score. Okay. What I would tell him is take pride in them trying to follow you and lean on you. Sure. And just take it. Just take like take it, but fight back at the free throw line. Fight back by getting an and one. Fight back by maybe delivering a hard foul if needed without getting into foul trouble. You know, I think I – think, the reason I keep bringing up some of these great players in recent NBA history is because Cat is that talented. Like Cat is one of Cat might be one of the three or four most physically gifted, talented seven footers that's ever played in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's one of the greatest three point shooters of this generation, and he's seven feet tall. <laughs> it's like he's it's like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are on one tier, but he's like on the second tier of three point shooters. He shoots like forty percent, mm-hmm. and the other great players. Like the Kobe's, the LeBrons, right? It's not that they never complain to officials. It's that they go into games knowing, all right, I'm going to get hacked. I'm going to go into the paint. It's going to be physical. 
guys are going to lean on me and try and cut corners because they can't guard me, and I'm going to deal with all of it uh-huh. and still get my 30 points and say bleep you, right? Like, they go into cyborg mode. And, the cat, the reason why they're hanging on you is because they can't guard you. Embrace it. Love it. Taunt them back for it, right? But don't complain to officials as often as you do. So I and guess by, all of this is to say that Cat doesn't get it. <laughs> and, by, and by not complaining, you'll get the calls. Yeah. They'll start right. to give, give you the calls. All right. Who gets it? You guys, we are two days in to our shows for this week, and we are largely ignoring what is going on at Huntington Bank Stadium. Damn one right. Of the great I'm back rowing the boat. One of the great turnarounds in go for football history. You lost the bowling game. Play the rouser. You're back. Three in a row. Where is it? There it is. I got Three it. Three in a row. There we go. Play the rouser. Maestro. Conduct the orchestra. Row the boat. All right. Who gets it? Any running back on the Gopher, Gopher's depth chart gets it. Any running back. I Again, any if, if there is a student right now who thinks to him or herself, Boy, it'd be fun to play football. I encourage you, sign up for PJ Flex team and volunteer to be a running back. Because let me give you the laundry list of players at that position so far for the 2021 season. And there's still, what, four four games left? Or five games left, I think. All right. Without completing a game, he got through less than a game. Mo Ibrahim rushed for 163 yards and averaged 5.4 yards per carry against the Buckeyes. He got hurt, unfortunate. A lot of people said, what are the Gophers going to do? Moe's hurt. Oh, the season might be over. Mm. Trey Pott steps in, rushes for 552 yards, and averages 4.9 yards per carry before he got hurt. Season done. Oh, boy, Trey Potts is out. Moe's out. <sighs> boy, it's going to be tough. <laughs> Who's up next? Hey, Kai Thomas. Come on down. (laughs) Kai Thomas rushed for 139 yards and averaged 6.6 yards per carry on Saturday. Um, So that's it, right? Oh, no, no, no. Kai came along with his friend to the party. His name, Bucky Irving. He rushed for 105 yards and averaged 7 yards per carry (laughs) against the Terps Saturday. Anybody who signs up to be a running back on this team gets it. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get it. Iowa, impressive win. Iowa loses to Wisconsin on Saturday. The Gophers beat Northwestern. Very doable. The Big Ten West has one team in sole possession. Fire it up again. Dude, I mean, come on. Think about it. And, all right, not to be Buzz Killington here. All right. Not to be Buzz Killington here. Got to run. Because the Bowling Green loss doesn't impact at all whatsoever your Big Ten standing, which is good. This is correct. But I think if the Gophers had just taken care of business against Bowling Green and then, you know, you you had the big road win, big. I mean, Colorado's not very good, but like you smoked them thirty to nothing big, on the road, a right? Big win, literally. Yeah. And then you and then you beat Purdue, who beat Iowa, like Purdue's a competitive team. I know they lost this last weekend. You know, you'd be a top twenty team for sure right now with one close, pretty close loss, competitive loss to Ohio State. And I think I think you'd probably be like in that sixteen range in the rankings right now, if you had taken yeah. care of business okay. against Bowling Green. So I don't know what the hell happened there. Peach. Bowling Green hasn't won a game since then. Um, that game still stuck in my craw a little bit, but 
Nice win against Maryland. Not me. Not me. I am all in now. <laughs> Throwing the boat. <laughs> Offensive line dominance. That's great, dude. It's Who fun. needs uh, – they literally don't use their quarterback. Yep. Uh, it's amazing. And, ima- and then imagine if they had, like, a dynamic mobile quarterback that could also run and maybe throw a pass once in a while. It wouldn't take that much to find someone that can throw the ball like Tanner Morgan, which is not very well. Can you find someone that can be passable throwing the ball that can run for 100 yards if needed? You know, like a dynamic mobile can their, dude. Can their guy that, that comes in to run not really. do it? Yeah. Nah. He's more mobile than Tanner. Short. It's a lot of short yardage running yeah, situations. Yeah. They, they use him to get like three yards, you know. Three yards um, in cloud of dust, baby. It's old, so. old school Big Ten. Old school Big Ten football. A lot of teams running the ball successfully. <laughs> so the Rose Bowl is the Rose Bowl is not incorporated with the college football playoff this year, right? I actually don't know. I can't remember what the bowl games are. Because if it's not, and it's January one, mm-hmm. Declan and I were talking about this. You know, we're going to have a choice: <laughs> Winter Classic, Rose Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be a choice for Phil. Well, no. So, He'll it's, be all in. Crap. It's be not a choice for me, but it'll be a choice yeah. for you guys. Yeah, he'll be he'll be yeah, there. Well, he can basically yeah. drive he'll, he'll walk there from yeah. where he can walk there. And you know, I'll tell you, Federated Insurance is a proud partner of Gophers Athletics. Too. Fired up. Fired up. Federated. One more time. One more time. Federated is a proud partner of Gophers Athletics, and they are here to help you guys, you business owners out there, with risk management. That's what they specialize in for over 100 years. Risk management resources, tools, people that can help you guide and navigate your business. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right. Who gets it? Who doesn't? Garrett Bradbury, man. Hey. Just doesn't get it. So... In 2019, Pro Football Focus had him dead last as a pass protector among centers. 2020, dead last among pass protecting centers. This year, we're seven weeks in. He's second to last in pass blocking among centers, according to Pro Football Focus. He's improved. He has improved. That is a fact. He's improved. That is a fact. Quantifiable. He, he is, his agent can go into contract negotiations and say, my client has improved. He is on the rise. He went from 36th to 35th from 2019 to 2021. I, I don't, at, at what point, you know, I'm not saying they have amazing options this year. People are saying, well, why don't you put Wyatt Davis, third round pick at center? Um, I don't know. I, I th- there aren't many options that can be worse than Garrett Bradbury when it comes to pass protection. He's been more passable in the run game, um, but I guess at what point do you just throw in the white towel here? Like they're gonna they're gonna need a new starting center if this keeps up for 2022. So yes, he just doesn't get it. I think mm. you throw it in now. Mm. Like I, I mean, yes, yes, you don't have and Mason Cole must not be good. Because like if if he could play, I, I would think that he gets plugged in. But I He's I, a I think for Arizona. Yeah, I think you throw in the towel now as far as saying it didn't work. Because here's the problem with him: Bradbury isn't getting bigger. Like ordinarily, I'm serious. Part of the thing is you're like, okay, dude, you got to put on weight, right? Like you got to put on weight because you're going up against 
uh, three techs and nose tackles who are mammoth and athletic now. And Bradbury sort of just physically stays the same. So I think you've got to right now be planning for 2022 for how you're going to replace him. And mm-hmm. it's just a bust. And it, it, it's too bad because it's a first-round pick at a position where ordinarily you don't invest first-round picks. But it's a bust. It's not going to change. So I'm just uh... – so Mason Cole here, since we're on the subject, according to Pro Football Focus, he's a better guard than center. Yeah, I think he graded. He's out been he's he's graded very poorly <laughs> in pass protection in all three of his years. Mm. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess what I'm looking for here is can someone move the needle a little bit in that department? Because Kirk has been so great when the yeah. pocket has been clean this year. Yeah, and he's been so bad under pressure. He hasn't thrown a ton of interceptions, but like he's he's only averaging like four yards per attempt under pressure, and and we'll talk about this more on Purple Daily, I'm sure, with Alex Boone today. But like opposing teams now are going to be hyper focused on pressuring Kirk, probably up the middle, right? That's the weakest link. That's going to be the main thing defenses try to do here. And so if Mason Cole can just be like a couple pressures better per game, even I would consider it. I would consider it coming out of the bye. I don't think they will. No mm. oh, cowards. Mm. No. First round pick, a lot of pride there. All right, who gets it? Who doesn't? I'll go with a who doesn't get it theme, and I'm going to borrow one from uh, our sport, my sports dad from yesterday. The Vikings trust at their depth at cornerback. They do not get it. They do not get it if you don't make some kind of move. Let me get this right. You're really going to trust Harrison Hand, maybe uh, Chris Boyd, maybe even Mackenzie Alexander to step in and play more than he's supposed to. I th- th- this is this is worrisome if I'm the Vikings and I know the Vikings defensive line has done a great job number one pressure rate they, they, they're phenomenal they've been great and maybe Harrison Smith is able to step up and and possibly make a big time play for the first time this season but the Vikings trust at their depth at cornerback I think is concerning Pat P has been a nice player but now you take that chain out of that cog and all of a sudden those chains look weak man and I, I think they definitely have to address something I, I don't know if it's mortgaging a first or second or third round pick. You have yeah. to do something to address the cornerback position because you, you're going you're gonna to be getting torched against these opposing quarterbacks in the month of November. I mean, if you're going to address it, address it with a second-round pick, third-round pick. I mean, I, I, I stand by what I said on Purple Daily yesterday is if you're just going to trade a six-round pick for a guy, he's going to get lit up too. So, I mean, if you have tangible solutions, both you guys, then I'm all for it. But well, I, Like, Xavier Howard moves the needle. Yeah. If you want to trade for Xavier Howard, I'm all for it. So the problem is this. If if this league basically just required two starting corners, I might back off, but it requires three. And so now, and like odds are, one of those three is going to get hurt at some point. Um, Dantzler's gotten hurt a lot. It feels like Breland goes down once a game. And so, yeah, I would just... It's a depth thing, too. And with Peterson, if I thought Peterson was really just going to miss three games, I might be like, I'll back off a bit, but I don't buy it. 31 and a hamstring. And and plus, if you rush him back, you know know what? He's done because he's going to get hurt again. So, And unfortunately, um, he's going to be hard to replace because he was playing really well. Like, I was impressed. I I thought, okay, he's older. It's – and – he, he's not great still, but he's damn good, and he knows the position. He he is not the fiery type of guy, but 
in some ways he's a Pat Bev type in the fact that he like brings a knowledge to the field that that secondary outside of uh, Smith last year, 100% lacked. And I feel, I felt like he, he could calm things down and that's probably gone for at least a month now in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think really you just got to score 30 plus points, which you well, can I'm all for in these next few games. games. Just go outscore some I teams. That. Yeah. You got the firepower. You're Love not going to be able to do it the way Zim wants to clamp down. Let's so. All right, that's who gets it, who doesn't. Oh, wait, I got one more. I got my last one. Okay, go quick. Yeah. Can I please chime in? Yeah. Uh, baseball. You are the World Series starts tonight. Astros and Braves are marquee event. And what surfaces on Sunday? The certainty of a work stoppage on December 2nd. You're, you're still talking about this? This is still a huge My God. Here's the thing, and I don't mean to be disrespectful. I don't think anyone cares. No, but I'm just saying, like, if you are a marketer, for baseball, you have to assume people care. Like you, like that's your job to assume. And two days before your marquee event starts, you have the World Series is coming up on Tuesday. But coming up next, we're going to talk about a certain work stoppage on December second. Are, are people talking about the work stoppage now? I saw an article came out. There's a lot I, feel, of, I feel like it's going to be a written about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is part of baseball's problem, though. No one cares. Like no one's gonna watch this World Series. This is gonna be this is gonna be the lowest rated World Series in the history of baseball. I'm gonna watch some of it because it'll be fun. But like, no one cares about the Braves. Okay. If you asked if you asked America, hey, like the average American, name five players in this World Series. Just five. There's 52 guys on the rosters. Can you name nine percent of them? I bet you. I don't know if I can. Five percent of America at most would be able to name five players oh, on these teams. I can. I can. Bagwell, five. five. Okay, I can do five. Yeah, Bagwell, Biggio, on both teams combined. That's Jeff what I'm Blouser, saying. Jeff Blauser, okay. Dale Chipper Murphy, Jones, Bob Bob Nick, Andrew Jones. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's no problem at all. Bob Watson, mm-hmm. Craig oh, Kimbrell, is he still there? Eddie Tobinsey, Eddie Tobinsey, <laughs> Biff Pokoroba. There's a name for you oh from my the past. God. Blast oh. from the past. Braves catcher. Boy, speaking of blast from the past here, oh, yeah. every Tuesday, it's random season recall on Mackie and Judd. Declan puts us to the test with random seasons from right, Minnesota Sports got? Past. What do we got? Please tell me it's the 83 North Stars. No, we're going we're gonna to wait. We're going to wait. We have a, we have a whole system. Uh, this is my segment. So we will... Uh, we will... <laughs> we will... Uh, we'll, we'll revisit so the North Stars. Off, Mackie. Hey, yeah. Macadash. <laughs> There's, there's a whole list. There's a system, and I don't like when, as I as I had to deal with in Chicago, when things go awry, I start to panic. So, uh, so we, we're going to stick right. to the script here you know and what? rotate each one down the floor. Authority doesn't bother this. <laughs> yeah, guy. yeah, it's true. Uh-uh. It's true. Uh, we'll, we'll go with the NFL team. We're going to go with the 2005 Vikings. Minnesota Vikings. The 2005 Minnesota Vikings. Well, that Last answers of the, uh, the first I think we're going to. I think we're going to fare pretty well here. This Nine is, and seven. One second, sorry. There you go. Nine and seven. Very good. Paul Pepper, go. Brad Johnson. Nice oh, okay. Mike Minter, Carolina. Yep, you can stop. All right, uh, hold on. Ne- <laughs> the, longest, the longest winning streak of the season for that 2005 Vikings was. What was it? Oh, okay. oh I like this one. Uh, I think it started with, It started right after Brad Johnson took over because they were so, a hot mess. I believe they started like two and five and then almost made the playoffs. Yes, they did. Yeah, because they yeah they they were um, they were eight and seven going into their last game. Brad Johnson reeled off something like three or, or no, it's probably more than that. Phil it was probably was it four consecutive wins? 
And well, by wait the way, a so they were. We're just talking as friends here. They, um, so you're saying, but they finished nine and seven, so they won their last game. I'm trying to yes. think of what they. The Bears didn't play people, and so they they won that last game. So how many get? Because. I'm pretty sure they started two and five. I don't know why that stands out to me. Okay. Like two and four or two and five. Well, they lost. Yeah, and they lost. So, so Culpepper gets hurt at Carolina. They lose that game out of the. That was like two or three weeks after the love boat. Um, did they get it to eight and six? I think they got it to eight and six. Okay, so so here's what they did. I believe they were at eight and six with a Sunday night or a Sunday game scheduled against Washington at the Metrodome. I think it got flexed to Sunday night because it, it had playoff implications for both teams. And the Vikings lost that game. And I think that basically killed their playoff chances. Because I feel like that – didn't that also happen against Washington in 2008? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, um, that No, because they made the playoffs in 2008. They uh... – or 2007, I might I might be getting some seasons mixed up here. Okay, 2007, they lost. Oh, seven, they played they lost Washington at, late. And they lost to Denver as well late in that season. Well, you might be right about that. Yeah. I just okay. remember a Sunday night game. I thought it was because Brad Johnson got hot. So they definitely rattled off like five straight wins, though, because they were like three yeah, and five they, or two and five. And they almost came back, yeah. Three and five, two and five, somewhere in there. Do you think it's um, five? Uh, I'm trying to think. So if they went, let's say they were three and five, did they get it to eight and five, or if it was two and five and they got it to seven and five? I just remember a late season loss. It it, it might have been in the second to last game. A late season loss, I think, eliminated them or just basically yeah. killed their playoff chances. They also played the Rams late that year, and Ryan Fitzpatrick made his first career NFL start. I remember that specifically. In 2005? Mm-hmm. That's really. I thought, two, I thought that was 2006. Oh my god, this is hilarious. <laughs> Maybe it was. Chuck, well, wait, wait. Are, are you thinking? Well, wait. No, I mean, this is you just rattled off stuff. all these facts, and now, now you are you thinking about? Are you thinking about the? Did Fitzpatrick- oh, oh five. They played the Ram- Did they play the Rams early in the year? Or maybe I'm wrong this on this. Now I'm getting. Oh five. Awesome. They opened oh up god, against dude. Tampa. Sharper oh, Cadillac Williams off. went for uh, his only good game ever. Sharper picked off a pass that I think he returned for. I want to say the O five opener. They. They might have won, and then I think they lost their second game. And then the Love Boat came around after the bye week, and they went in the tank for a while after that because they lost yeah. at the Bears. Yeah. The game after the Love Boat bye week was the Bears, and they lost that game. And then they went and played the Falcons, and they lost that game. Oh so my you, God. it might be five. I mean, you you might be right. I don't remember. Let's go five I, straight. Let's go five right. straight. Yeah, okay. be exact at this one. So okay. five straight. All Come right. on. Come on. Yep. <laughs> Was it, was it six? Six. Six. Oh, six. It was a huge winning streak. Yeah. So they went. They went okay, we'll keep asking. Keep they, going. They went two and five. I'm done now. They and did they, go two and five. They went two and five, after, and that was the, <laughs> the, the Love Boat scandal in Carolina. And then they rattled off six straight wins. Home against Detroit, at New York, at Green Bay, home against Cleveland, at Detroit, yeah. home against the Rams. And then okay. they lost okay. on December 18th so, to the so That right. Rams game. Okay. okay. That, ran, that home against the Rams. Okay. Can you click on that game? Yes, that was either Mark Bolger at the at the end, or what? Did Ryan Fitzpatrick make a start? I think that was Bolger, and I think Fitzpatrick was the. I thought Fitzpatrick was the next year, but you are correct, Phil. Brian Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh my wow. god, dude! You, oh my god! With, 
with no beard. <laughs> hey, hey, Dex. Dude. So, 26 what? of 45, 235 yards for Fitzpatrick, no touchdowns, and five interceptions <laughs> in that game. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, that's amazing. And he's still interception. around he to tell about it. He did have a rushing 16 years later, mm-hmm. and he's still wow. around So, Dex, out, out of the bye, did they go – did it go Chicago – or did it go Chicago, Atlanta, Carolina? No, Chicago, Green Bay, Carolina. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Atlanta was right before the bye, I think. Mm-hmm. That That's what it was. And then they mm-hmm. had the bye. Okay. Okay, what else you got? Uh, Brad Johnson started – let's see here. Let me go back here. I just want to make sure this is correct before I say it. Brad Johnson, that season for the Vikings, started nine games. How many did he win? Okay. Um, started nine. Wait. Uh, well, he won – Seven, right, Phil? Probably. Got to be exact. Well, called – so, so that they started two and five. Phil's right about that. Culpepper. So he then he then started the next nine games, and then and he went, he went seven and, yeah, he went seven and two, right? So did Culpepper? Culpepper went two and five, and so they were were they two and five coming out of Carolina? Is that correct? I don't think Declan can answer this unless he wants to. I, I literally told you what happened just just two minutes ago, so I, they, yeah, I, I can't I can't re-say what happened. No, no, it's I'm true, asking Phil. So they they I went so. so two and five, and then they and then he won seven. Let's go seven. Seven, okay. seven, seven yep, wins. Seven. Yep, seven and two for Brad Johnson. Right. By the okay. way, two game-winning drives for Brad Johnson that season as well. So way Brad to go, Brad Johnson. No arm left, but he was good. No, would have had four know. if Greg Joseph didn't miss two field goals. No. Just a little jokey poo there. Uh, who led the team in rushing attempts that season? Who was the leading rusher in okay. attempts that season? All right. That was so Moeldy Moore in the backfield. Mo Williams and Ontario Mo- Smith, right? Yeah, but Ontario Smith was in and out of trouble by then. Right? So, yeah, this was like three dudes... Yeah. So that this was oh, Mike was Mike Michael Bennett was still around here. Michael yes. Bennett was absolutely still around Michael here. Michael Bennett, Moeld okay, Michael Bennett, Moeldy Moore. Maybe Mo Williams was gone by now. Yeah, I think no, I think he was around, but he, he I don't think he would have let him in, in, in rushes. It probably probably Michael Bennett. If, it feels like it would be Bennett, but are we being duped somehow? I don't think it was Moeldy because I think he was more of a special teams third down guy. Like he wasn't like a bell cow. Yeah, no. And I would and, say yeah. Bennett, Bennett or Ontario. I, and, say, I feel like Ontario because I, I thought Ontario was suspended for that season for drug use. I thought he got mm. so when so I I got on the beat in two thousand five, and I want to say during mini camp during the summer. It came out that he had been suspended hmm. uh, because he had been pinched again. How long was he suspended? The whole year? Was he suspended for the whole year? I thought it was suspended for quite some time. I mean, it, it might be Bennett. Uh, so when did Ontario Smith have his steal of the his sod year? The, well, he was calling the, st- the steal of the draft. He was drafted in like what? Oh three or oh four? I feel like he was. I feel like he broke out when I was in Green Bay covering the Packers. And becoming a diehard Packer fan. Michael Bennett's the safe guess here. I think we're going to find that it's like really close together. It's like a, better a bunch of dudes safe, with like 100 carries. Let's go Bennett. Michael Bennett, right, Michael final Bennett. answer. Yep. yep, Michael Bennett. 
Michael Bennett was second on the team with 126 attempts. Muelde Moore with 155 attempts. I'm sorry. That's my uh, this is all Phil's fault. This is all Phil's fault. Um, I'm not walking off this show right now. I've, I, didn't, I didn't realize this until doing, doing this right now, but the player that led the team in rushing touchdowns this season, I have never heard of before. And this is in like my wheelhouse of being a Vikings fan. I've never heard of this guy. And honestly, it would be a perfect random Viking of the week, and obviously I now know whose name is and, and who he is. But this guy led the team in rushing touchdowns this season. He only played two seasons in the NFL. Vikings drafted him in the fourth round. Oh. Seatric Faison. No, Seatric Never heard of him. Never heard of Seatric Faison? Never heard of him. We both said it at the same time. Seatric Florida, Florida yeah. running back, really? fullback kind of a guy. Never yeah, heard of him. 30, number 35, okay. I want to say. Never, yeah. never heard of him. Uh, Seatric Faison. Quickly, a couple more here. Who caught the most receiving touchdowns that season? I feel this is like the Nate Burleson year, wasn't it? I um, was four. Okay, I feel like this was a year where they had that fade to Marcus Robinson quite a bit in the end zone as well. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Because mm-hmm. Childress took that out of the playbook, and that was part of the problem that le- that led to the Christmas Eve surprise the next year. <laughs> Surprise! Um, Surprise! You're cut. You're cut. Because you talked to Sean Jensen, the Pioneer Press. But, um... Corn yeah. Robinson was on that team, too. Corn Robinson was signed... When did he come into that team? And it was primarily as a kick returner, but then he was did it. Oh four, oh five. He was with no, the No, no, he was signed. I feel like he was let go because he, he had the problems and went through treatment, <laughs> which obviously didn't take. And... I feel like he was brought in in 05 because I remember covering when he was came to Winter Park for the first time. Um, I'm going to... I think it was Marcus Robinson, unless you right. can think of a... Well, I mean, the only other... I think it's Nate Burleson. Well, Nate Burleson was... So 04 was Moss's last year, and I think that was the year Burleson went for 1,000 because Moss was hurt for a bunch of games. Yes, and he and, he and Dante had a great connection. And I'm trying to remember if... Was Burleson on the Burleson had one one thousand yard season? I don't remember how many touchdowns he had, and I can't remember if it was oh four oh five. But Marcus so, Robinson seems like a good guess. I'm going to tell you right now, too. I, I've picked up a trend here. I think the host has a trend of if it seems like the answer, it's not. I feel like he's skewing towards like trying to challenge us, okay, and and not go with what seems like it should be the answer. <laughs> This is like next level psychology. Here. Analytics, man. I'm doing found. them constantly here at my right. house. I'll trust your. I'll trust your right. gut. Marcus, Marcus Robinson. Robinson. Marcus Robinson. Oh, look at that, dude! Wow, nope. see, Five this is high jumps. level. I picked up the trend. Right here. I picked yep. up the trend. Don't <laughs> f with me, man. I'm the Pat Bev of the show. <laughs> uh, last one. Who led the team in tackles that season? Okay, this defense. Okay. EJ Henderson. I'm trying to think of the linebackers. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good that's a good one. Nap Harris, EJ Henderson, Nap and um, Harris. And then the third one was um Oh my god. Sam Cowart uh, was on this team. Sam Cowart was actually Oh, okay, 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 okay. I just there was, remembered something. There's another one. This was this was Sharper Winfield. Say, Sharper. A- Antoine was on, on this team. So here's the here's the linebacker thing this just i just uh remember this one in training camp 
they were having EJ try to transition to the middle linebacker position. And he had a great training camp. But they had signed or obtained Sam Coward, who was a veteran middle linebacker from the Houston Texans. And I think Sam Coward started the season there. But then EJ eventually moved into that role and was great. I think you might be right, Phil. I think it might be him. I think it might be because yeah. that was the start but before he broke his leg and it dangled in Dang. that game against the Cardinals. Um, that was the start of a really good run because – when I was in Green Bay, they drafted EJ, and he was sort of a disaster. And and there, then the, he came along, and I remember that training camp. He was he was so good that he eventually won that job. Before we say EJ is the final answer, there was another linebacker in that era. A young, it was EJ, and then there was another Don young Terrius linebacker, Dontarius Thomas. Okay, I don't think it was Dontarius Thomas. Okay, Don Don I just wanted Thomas to throw once, his name out. Who once called me sir. <laughs> I got Tonta. He's a very nice kid. He's a oh, sir. Thank you, sir. It's like, okay. whoa, dude, I am not a sir. So I would say in my order of confidence, EJ is number one. Yeah. But Antoine Winfield made a ton of tackles he in did. that era. He did. And, and he was a starting outside corner, I believe, at that point, too. He might have moved inside mm. in the nickel, but he was still starting. He wasn't just exclusively a nickel. Mm. I think um, they both probably made I think you're, so, tackles. I think your first choice is our best choice. Because I trust that a linebacker would probably just naturally make more tackles than a Especially, corner. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, EJ Henderson. EJ final Henderson, answer. final answer. EJ was third in tackles with 76. All right, Antoine Winfield. Antoine Winfield, final answer. Yeah! 98 oh, tackles nice. for Antoine Winfield. So many tackles. Yep. Nice. So many who, tackles. Who was second? Uh, the uh, Sam Coward. There it Sam is. Coward. Okay. God, Sam we were Coward sniffing was around there. Sam mm-hmm. Coward was a, I, sniffing around. But I mean, we just named like that entire starting defense. <laughs> and then the and then you had um, I'm trying to think. The Williams think, Wall was there by then. The Williams Wall. You didn't have Jared Allen yet, so you had Erasmus James. Kanetcha hadn't got sick yet. Kanetchu Udeza. Kanetchu Udeza. Yep. So you really had no pass rushers. The linebackers were Coward. Darian Scott. I think EJ. was on the defensive line. Oh yeah, that's right. Didn't Darian Boy. Scott once like he put. He was he got in trouble for he contended he was playing putting a plastic bag on his kid's head. We're just playing around. Suffocating um, my child. The corners the corners were Antoine Winfield, Kenny Irvin, Smoot. Smoot was on that team. Yeah. The same when, when was Cedric Griffin drafted? Um was he was good. He was, yeah, by the oh, Childress fine. administration. No, no, he he was drafted because it, it was it was Smoot, Winfield, Kenny Irvin was a veteran who, who was on that team. The safeties were Darren Sharper. Who was the other safety? Dwight was Smith, it, I think. Was Dwight Smith there by five oh five? Brian Russell had been, oh, maybe and Ticey loved him. Okay, but I don't remember if he was there in 05. Whew. Well, Damn. there it is. Random that was a tutorial in two thousand five. Right there. With Mackie and Judd. And don't you tell Declan what Pontificating from Judd on that 2005 Vikings team was just legendary. Off like the just, I'm a little just. disappointed that there was no love boat thing. No, I no. I feel like there should have been a love boat connection of some sort. And I, like who was on the boat? Who was indicted? Yeah. You, yeah, maybe maybe we can do a love boat, love boat special ran, version yeah. 
Mo oh, Williams Brandon, Brandon on Season the boat. Recall, just the love boat. Dante, oh, wow. Bryant McKinney. Which play? <laughs> Fred Smoot. Which Michael player Bennett had the most the partners on the boat that night? <laughs> Michael Bennett, my favorite story of all time, missed the boat, literally. <laughs> the story of Michael Bennett's career. Where'd everybody go, man? He, he Where'd everybody up, go? He pulled up as they were pushing <laughs> off. Michael Bennett missed the boat. I'm glad you said pushing off instead of something else. All right, we got to go here. Go Mackie and Judd, go. Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. Pull the Gully Judd's Hockey Show later. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.